0: Hello, Hive Nation, and welcome back to the Hive Nation podcast. Each week, we have leading experts in personal and professional development to help you connect, engage, grow, evolve. JB's not here today. He's uh, away, unfortunately, but I'll introduce our guest. I'm joined as a good friend of mine, Zach Drew. Zach is a former addict. He is the center director at Teen Challenge and a husband and father. Uh, Zach's a uh, great guy we met at the Rise Strength Lab a few years ago, uh, slinging weights together, and uh, yeah, it's been a great friendship ever since. Zach's here today to tell us about his story, about where he was, where he is, and where he's going, and uh, with that, I'll kind of throw it over to Zach, and we can
1: jump into it. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me here today, Greg. Uh, as you guys know, it's November, Mental Health Month, so... A lot of what I do is working with men and trying to boost up their mental health and their general well-being and kind of get their goals achieved. So, yeah, I'll start by just talking about kind of a bit of where I came from. Um, I wasn't always a high performer. Wasn't always uh, even successful in anyway, way. Uh, a lot of my life was struggling with addiction. Um, it basically took everything from me. Uh, I got to the point where I was homeless on the streets of Saskatoon. I uh, didn't have any hope, any future. Kind of the only prevalent thought in my head was suicide. It didn't seem like there was any way out of it. Um, and then, kind of at the end of my addiction, when I had no one in my corner, uh, I got offered to go and try a treatment center called Teen Challenge. It is a year-long treatment program. It is faith-based. It's out in the middle of nowhere, out in Saskatchewan, and you live with you know twenty-three other addicts, and. Oh, it is a hard, hard program, but it made me the man I am today. It taught me a lot of important values and things that I hold dear and still practice every day. And now I have the chance to work there as the center director, so I run operations out there and I try to give men a chance, the same chance that I got just to kind of get their lives back, learn a new way of living, get some control over stuff that they just previously had zero control over. And yeah, i love my job and love to be able to give people that opportunity that I got. Wow. Um,
0: first off, obviously, great work. And uh, the man that I know that is Zach Drew is, is none of that. And actually, you know, funny enough, I, that's not the right phrasing, but when I met you, like, never would I ever went, yeah, Zach was definitely a guy who used drugs. And I think that is the case so way, way more often than people think. Yeah. You can't judge a book by its cover. So what did that Zach look like? Like what led you to eventually being on the streets?
1: I think it was really just a lack of things that a normal child should get through child development. Um, I had a very tough upbringing as a kid. Uh, My dad struggled with a lot of mental health issues. He hasn't addressed those now. And I think had he addressed those before he was parenting me, I would have had a much different upbringing and probably wouldn't have gone down that addiction road, but he didn't have those tools when I was growing up. So he struggled with his mental health stuff, just trying to be the best parent he could, but he often couldn't even do that. So yeah, I just missed out on things like having adults I trusted, being able to speak truthfully about things like being comfortable making mistakes. And that just kind of, whatever it did to me, it kind of shut me down and I wasn't able to just do normal things, like hold a job, be honest with people, like have relationships, friendships, anything like that. So that would always just crumble underneath me. I'd always try to start, you know, dating girls or having a job and stuff like that. None of it ever lasted. It all just kind of crumbled away and I always resorted back to using drugs and stuff like that. But, yeah, unfortunately, that's just the cards I was dealt. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, there was a solution in there for me, so I was happy to be able to kind of. Figure that out eventually yeah
0: so going into teen challenge when you entered the program you said you were on the streets and then that was presented to you was it
1: like how, how did how did that happen i worked for a construction company called ham construction okay so i worked for them for about seven years And they are actually supporters of Teen Challenge. Uh, The old owner for that, Henry Hamm, is a huge donor for Teen Challenge, and he makes a lot of what we do possible. But um, they knew I was struggling with addiction, and the HR guy there came and talked to me, and he said, hey, I really think you should check out this program. He kind of told me about it. I heard the name. I was like, okay, buddy, I'm not a teenager. Like, I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. And he told me it was a year long, and it was Christian. I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. But – as the years went on and things just got worse and worse, I had tried every treatment center in Saskatoon and you know different cities and stuff like that. Nothing could work for me. And I was like, well, it's kind of the only thing I haven't tried. I'll give it a go. I've never done anything spiritual in my life, so maybe that's what I'm missing. But yeah, I was really glad I, I went and tried it out. That's, you know, your company doing that for you, I think that's, that's a really
0: important piece. I'm going to use sports as, as the connector here. Uh, a few years back, yeah. I can't say the Flames were the first team to do it, the Calgary Flames, but they were the first team I know of to do it. So in hockey and in sports, drug abuse is no, it's, it's not uncommon. Yeah. Um, Brian McGratton, old enforcer, was a fighter. Like most of them. Drug, drugs, alcohol, Percocets to fight the next day, fight the next day, fight the next day. He is now, I, I think he's still employed, but at the time they employed him as the liaison to the athletes. So if an athlete had drug problems, they could talk to him and not get kicked off the team. Because before it's, oh, I'm going to tell coach, Hey, I'm addicted to perks gone. So it's very similar to what your company did. Like I think even in today. You know looking in 2023 where there are you know more support programs there's a lot more work being done around it at least from my point of view where a company yeah it's easy to just fire somebody and go not our problem was we'll sweep that away but you know yeah. they still were there and like hey we're gonna help you because clearly you weren't a total POS right you were a good no. enough guy for them to go hey Zach we want to help you I think that's like some really cool so is with that, is there a lot of companies, like, that publicly, like, are out there saying, hey, like, we'll welcome you if you're
1: recovering, or is there channels like that? Like, I think some companies do a great job of it. Um, I've seen it done really well. I've also seen the flip side where it's not done at all, or almost mm-hmm. kind of just demonized or stigmatized, which is funny because, like... I don't think you can meet a single person that isn't affected by addiction in some way. It might not be them, but someone they know, family member, whatever. Like it's just such a common prevalent theme and it's just increasing and getting more and more. But yeah, I think it's becoming more commonplace for people to have an understanding for both addiction and mental health. Um, so yeah, I, I'm hoping that that just carries on and that kind of becomes the norm because when people feel demonized and they feel like, oh, I can't even talk about this or my job's at risk, they're not going to be honest about it. And if no one's honest about it, you're not going to get help. Yeah.
0: Honesty in that, like that's something I learned. having to be honest about those tough things. Like even if it's not, you know, something as serious as addiction, being honest about a mistake, like that is difficult when you mess up and having to go, Hey, here's what happened. Like on a small note, like if you mess up at work, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's okay to be honest about hey, I have these issues that I'm dealing with my mental health. Hey, I have these issues, I'm you know, using drugs, I'm on alcohol, and it's it's totally grabbed grabbed my life. If you're not honest about it, that cycle just continues and continues. So <clears throat> going into what Teen Challenge is doing, is that the start of it? Just helping these young individuals start being honest with themselves or what's, what's the process there?
1: Um, it really depends on the guy. Like we'll have people come in that are just like brutal, blunt, honest, and that's not something they struggle with. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have the next guy who is, has struggled with that very thing you're talking about where like he makes a mistake, people do everything in his power to cover up. That was actually me. Mm-hmm. I was never able to be vulnerable, be honest. That's why my relationships crumbled. I just didn't want people to see that I had made a mistake. And that's something I learned when I was growing up because I was always terrified of my dad. So anytime I made a mistake, it'd just be punishment, punishment, discipline, like just crazy stuff. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to make mistakes. And if I do, I'm going to hide them. That was kind of like my way of thinking. But yeah, it really just depends on the guy. Some of the guys we come in with, they... They will be honest to a fault <laughs> where it's like, okay, we shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but uh yes, that is something lots of guys do have to deal with is just like learning how to be honest and realizing it's okay to make a mistake, and that is actually encouraged to admit your mistakes. Um so with that being
0: said, a teen challenge, what's the difference? Is you being an individual who has went to other ones when you were dealing with that and now is working with teen challenge. <coughs> um, actually I guess before I go there, so you went through the teen challenge program, yep. turn your life around Yep. and then you became a director of teen challenge. That is an interesting journey that I think, you know, we talked a bit yeah. about off camera, but I want to dig into that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so after I finished teen challenge, I went back with my family. Uh, my wife graciously took me back. We had been uh, legally separated uh, due to my addiction and stuff like that. Hadn't been seeing the kids. Um, through doing the year with Teen Challenge, I was able to kind of repair stuff with her, just with the tools that they kind of taught me, like relationship building, stuff like that. So I did move in with her right out of the program. I went back and did construction which is my old trade. Um, So I did that for six months. Things were feeling great. I wasn't feeling like, oh, you know, I I had this figured out. I wasn't going back to my addiction. And about six months into construction, I got a call from the center director who was running the place at the time. And he said, hey, we had an entry level position open up. You want to come work here? I think you'd be good for it. And I was like, yeah, sweet. And it was like perfect. Like we were just rolling up for the winter. Like my construction work was running out. So I started as an entry-level worker. I would work evening shifts and just kind of, like, hang out with the guys and just, like, you know, basic stuff, help them with phone calls, administer medication, stuff like that. And did that job for about three years. Then I got a promotion to uh, what's called, like, a case manager, where you're kind of helping guys with their individual needs. Like, we get a guy come in, and he hadn't been to the dentist for 10 years, so we'd set him up, get him all social assistance, get him coverage, take him to the dentist, get him to the doctor. Get them a bank card like just all that stuff you need that a lot of these guys in addiction don't have uh, so i did that job for about two years during that time i also went to mcmaster university got my degree in addiction studies and yeah the center director job came available in 2021 i applied for it got the position and i've just been like so honored and thrilled that they mm-hmm. would pick me for that it is a whole different ballpark because now I've got to manage all my staff. Yeah. I love working with my guys, but learning to like manage staff and take a leadership role and learn all that stuff was very foreign. But I had a great mentor who got me through that, and he was with me every step of the way. He still is. But, yeah, he's my kind of work mentor. He's, he did a center director position for about 15 years, um, so he's been absolutely phenomenal in kind of getting me to be where I need to be to manage people. Very cool. But yeah, it was just kind of a natural progression. I started at the bottom of the ladder, climbed up to a middle position, and eventually got honored enough to get the top spot. Yeah. So with that, we talked off
0: camera as well. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. And uh, shout out to Seb Lavois, <laughs> we talked about this the other day, on the people that are more, most susceptible to imposter syndrome are high performers, are the people that excel in their field. Uh, I would consider you somebody who is that. So being that you were in the program, left the program, came back, and now you're working there, how do you
1: manage that when you get those feelings? Uh, I try to remind myself, I don't know who said this quote to me one time, but they said, if you feel like you have your imposter syndrome going, you're probably on the right track. And I do like to kind of dive into that because it's extremely uncomfortable at some times, and sometimes I just wake up feeling like, what am I even doing here? I'm not the person for this spot or like, I'll start playing stuff in my head and I'm like, Oh, I should have done this. And like, everyone probably thinks I'm an idiot or whatever, but I think it's a good feeling. Like if you feel like you have imposter syndrome, that probably means you're trying to stretch and grow yourself. So to me, that's usually a good, pretty good sign. You're on the right track and it's getting better and better. Like I have it less and less as I just kind of get used to everything and learn all the tricks of managing people. But I, I kind of like imposter syndrome. Just it means you've put yourself in a position that you're not totally conf, confident in and you're either going to learn or you're just going to fall flat on your face. So I usually tend to learn. So yeah. I I think that's that's
0: such an impactful statement you just made like if you have that feeling it means you're on the right track. Very recently I was talking to a friend of mine and I'm like what's your end goal? I said don't have one. I'm like what? You Mr Mr. track everything, Mr. goal I said, yeah, exactly, you're right I said if I make an end goal, that means oh, I've arrived, and that's it, I'm done. No more growing, no more learning, no more anything, yeah, and they went, oh that's that's a neat way to look at it I said it's the only way, yes, I have milestones, yes, I have goals when I turn thirty, forty, you know, I want to be this individual, this this I have a vision for it. I have some personal and some work things that I want to accomplish, but it's that constantly growing and keeping surrounding myself with people that are better than me, that challenge me, that make me feel like, oh, do I really belong in this room? The answer is yes, but because I feel that, it keeps that ego at bay, right? And it keeps that, oh, I'm a big shot now because I'm the director. No, would never have that feeling, right? Because no. you're always like, What's the next hard thing I can do? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I did that. Okay, what's, what's the next challenging thing I can do? Well, my
1: like, part of the thing I learned in Teen Challenge is like look for an area in your life where you suck and figure out a way to improve it. And the way I would do that was I would identify the area, and then I would share that area with a couple of close like, men in my life. And I'd say, hey, I suck at this. I'm going to try to get better at it. If you see me slipping back to old habits or whatever, call me out on it and I'll go from there. And then I would just like really focus on that area make the improvements. And I'm like, okay, i got the hang of this. Then I'm going to pick another area. And I do that over and over again in my life. So that's my end goal is to continue doing that until the day I die. It's not really like a tangible goal because I don't know what's going to pop up. Like all the stuff I fixed, fixed while I was actually in Teen Challenge I look back at that stuff now and I'm like, that was such trivial stuff. (laughs) But (laughs) like, it was so important for me at the time. Yeah. And that feeling keeps happening. If I look back two, three years ago now, I'm like, oh, I was struggling with that then. And It's like, it just seems like peanuts now. It's part of my everyday life. Yeah. But that's my life arc. And like, yeah, if you have like an end tangible goal, that could also stop you from, like, you might bump into someone you've never met. They might have this crazy idea and you're like dude i'm gonna do that Mm -hmm. so always be open like always be open to like fixing correcting improving going down a different path because like yeah goals are great but they can also be kind of limiting so just self-improvement that's always been like just one of my top goals and like who knows where i'll find that yeah
0: so in team challenge then is it This is actually, I think, a question. Maybe, you know, somebody who's listening to this is is in that spot. You know, they're looking for help. (coughs) Bust this bubble, this stereotype, I think that if if we're going to maybe rehab isn't the right word, but programs, addiction programs of any kind. What is that experience like? Is it they're watching you with a microscope or is there a lot more autonomy like, hey, we're here to help you. Here's the path that is the better version of you and here's you know if we start going back in the habits
1: and like what is that guidance that is given it's a little of both um so we obviously do have to do some level of guidance because mm-hmm. they go in there and they're like i don't know how to fix this help me so we do have a starting point and we have like set standards that we make every client follow um they have a very regimented day like from seven till five they have a different part of programming required to attend and stuff like that. But then the end goal for the program, because our program's so long, it's a full year, is that we want people to take this on themselves because if they just have someone forcing them to do it, they won't carry on doing it. So we have discipline, but hopefully it leads to self-discipline. So that's kind of how we do it. Like for the first six months of the program, they might need a lot of support from us. But as they've been there for six months they're doing this stuff daily they we eventually want them to just almost become leaders in the client body like when we have guys that are close to graduation close to finishing it almost naturally happens every time that they will start to be leaders for new guys coming in they'll take them under their wing we pair them up with each other and it's just like it gives the guy hope like someone comes in off the streets and they're like dude how can i possibly get my life back we pair them up with someone that has been there for 11 months and it's like hey, this guy was just as bad as me, and, like, he's got a lot of stuff going on right now. I couldn't even tell he was an addict just by looking at him, just like the comment he made. So it's a little of both. And, like, everyone's so uniquely different. Like, we have a lot of guys who are, like, extremely successful in their personal lives. They run businesses. They're professional athletes. Like, so they know how to be self-motivated. We might work with that guy totally different than someone who's, like, 23 and he just got kicked out of his mom's house and was homeless for five years like they will need totally different mm-hmm. treatment approaches
0: Wow, so this program isn't one-size-fits-all amazing how that
1: works. Hey amazing uh, yeah. actually if you go to an addiction center, and it's a one-size-fit-all and they painted everyone with the same stroke It's probably not a good place walk out the door and <laughs> addiction is so complicated yeah. Like everyone falls into it for totally unique reasons, circumstances, family trauma, mental health stuff. It's like there is, I wish I just had like a do these five things yeah. and you'll be drug free. Doesn't work that way. Boy, if, if everything was that easy. Yeah.
0: And with that being said, is there, I don't even know if this is a productive question, but is there like a top three? Scenarios that you're seeing these young young individuals come from is it is there like patterns that you're seeing or is it like you said just it's so unique that it's hard to even track?
1: Uh, trauma is almost universal for anyone struggling with addiction. Um, trauma comes in many forms. Like when you say trauma, you might just instantly think like, oh, PTSD, like you was yeah. a war vet, something like that. But no, it can be something as simple as I was in a car accident when I was younger and. Like, that was it. Or, like, hey, I lost my mom when I was younger. My dad was an addict and he abandoned us. Like, it shows up in so many different forms. But it's something that happened that fundamentally changed the way someone behaves. And it's often a protective response. So, something traumatic happens when you're a kid. Something in you just shuts down. You don't get that normal emotional development that someone else would have. And that just causes a ripple effect throughout your entire life. And that's kind of where I think addiction comes from. But... Half the thing is, lots of the guys don't even know what the trauma is. Like, it took me that entire year to figure out the way my dad behaved when when I was younger. Caused me the trauma that kind of broke all my relationships and jobs and everything like that in my life. It seems simple when I say it. But for me to actually just fully understand and absorb that and just, like, accept it, forgive my dad, and then just move on and not be a victim, that took the whole year. Wow. Yeah, I think that's something that
0: a lot of people don't realize. We've had a lot of conversations around trauma, especially this month. You know, we've been talking about mental health. We've been talking men's mental health more, more so on trauma. And we had an individual, Bill Carson, on uh, from Australia, and he talked about the difference between anxiety and depression, and, and how people kind of lump them together because they don't know, and and in trauma and that depression is something from the past typically when, when they look at it from the neurological side of it and that's a trauma and it's so different for everybody so yeah i think that's that's a really important fact but i'm hopeful for you know where we are at today because they you know the culture is way different than it used to be yeah my dad um probably from the same area as your dad like, tough not talking a lot about feelings, Absolutely. you know, I, yeah, I'm i fortunate I had a great upbringing, but still hardened, right? Yeah. He came from a family of nine. His dad wasn't around because he had to support a family of nine, like in the, in the forties and fifties, like, and then now it's, if you're not talking about your feelings, it's kind of
1: not, you're the not normal Yeah. Well, well, even well. I'll talk a little about my dad's journey. It's open and public, like he's done podcasts and talked at different things. But he always felt that he struggled mentally, but he had no one to say it to, no one wants to hear it. Mm-hmm. And like that's how it was for him. So, like, I have much sympathy for like what he went through because there was no support back then. Like, if you were a man and you're like, you know, I'm having a hard day, they just like, yeah, get to work, but yeah, but uh. Yeah, actually uh, before he retired at the university, he got involved with a lot of mental health stuff there, and talked about his own like disorders with his students and stuff. He'd help support them as they're going through university and like he was able to flip that, get the help he needed and actually become a voice for that kind of stuff. So it's really inspiring to see. Wow. <coughs> That's awesome. So now
0: as we sit here today, the Zach Drew in 2023 husband father fitness extraordinary <laughs> what else? so in the mental health realm what are the things that you do every day that keep you centered that keep
1: keep you cautious well, oddly enough i didn't re- reinvent the wheel on this i just kept doing the things that teen challenge had me doing I obviously slightly had to tweak the schedule because i work full-time and have kids and stuff like that but Um, Basically, the components of the program we teach people are spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical health. So all four of those things done in any capacity will create a well-balanced individual who's taking care of themselves. I always tell guys, too, like, if you start to feel like one of those areas of your life is suffering, you might just think, oh, well, it's it's just that one area, but it's actually going to draw from those other areas as well. So if you let your physical health go... Your mental health is going to struggle. Your emotional yep. health is going to struggle. It's just kind of like a chain reaction. So we try to keep those four things in balance. So for spiritual stuff, um, I'm a Christian. I do Bible reading. There's different Christians I talk to. My prayer life is quite huge. I like to do kind of affirmation prayers, gratitude prayers, just to kind of set the tone of my day. Uh, for mental stuff, I do counseling. I meet with a mentor pretty regularly. I have a couple of friends who are also former addicts that I just kind of have an open relationship with so I can kind of talk to them if I ever struggle with anything. Emotional health, that's like your relationships, your friendships, stuff like that. So my wife's my number one biggest support there. Me and her just lean on each other for everything, whether it's work or personal, or whatever. She's kind of my rock in that spot. And then, yeah, you mentioned Jim Extraordinaire, but... I got so um, I'm gonna say addicted to the gym which is a good thing I can use my addictive behaviors for positive things yep but like I have a lot of mental health diagnoses as well I used to take five different psychotropic medications to kind of alleviate these things I don't take anything anymore if you fitness is my pill and like without that like I just I can really tell like, if I take a week off the gym I am struggling. I just get crankier faster. Like, I'm not able to have the patience that I normally would. So, those are the kind of four areas that I think are crucial. I do little things in each of those areas to keep myself the same. That kind of keeps me straight and just keeps me focused. That's
0: amazing. On the on the pill side of things, yeah. this is something that I'm a bit of a nerd on. I'm not a doctor, so take this with a grain of salt, but... I've always been a big believer in fitness and a healthy lifestyle can solve a lot of our issues. It's not a magic pill. But our gut health is a very, very important thing. Your gut immediately talks to your brain. And I rarely get sick. I don't take a lot of medication, if any. Like, if I have a headache, like I try not to take anything. Taking those psychotropics, like, those are pretty heavy medications. Absolutely. Like, that has to play a factor, and I don't know if you can touch on that, but versus, you know, using that, sometimes it's necessary, no question about it. Yeah. Versus fitness for it, like, other than you're stronger because you're lifting weights or you're fitter because you're running, the feeling of your body taking those pills versus not, like, what, what's the difference there, if you can
1: even... All right, I'm going to see if I can break this down. Um, So when I was prescribed those medications, I had all the symptoms that would point towards depression, anxiety, restlessness. So I got a diagnosis for depression, uh, generalized anxiety, and attention deficit disorder. So they gave me uh, an SSRI, uh, Ritalin, and an anti-anxiety med. And then, on top of all those meds, I had to go back to the doctor and say, okay, I can't sleep on these meds. Mm-hmm. Like, no, not a leg. So, like, oh, well, here's a sleeping pill, too. We'll throw that in the box to combat the effects of the other drugs. Um, but all those symptoms in my life were actually pointing that there was something wrong in my life. Like, I, I do still have mental health diagnoses, that's real. But no one that I went to see said, what do you do for self care? Like, what are you doing to take care of your body and make sure it's running well and, and all these other things? No one asked me a lick. They just said, oh, you're depressed? Here you go. There's your prescription. And I really wish our health system would tick those boxes first. You know what I want you to do? Go to the gym three times a week. Go for a walk. Go outside. Go for a walk. Easy. Everybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I don't know, kind of boggles my mind because, uh, I don't know, It's that can fix so many things for people. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's this scale that doctors and nurses use to determine depression and it's a point scale. So if you get below five, I think you're considered suicidal and there's different things you can do to add points. So antidepressants add typically one to two points to a person's score, whereas physical fitness will add three to five typically. Yeah. So it's, Twice as effective, but that's not the first thing doctors are telling you to do. Yeah, that's crazy. And then if, if you throw nutrition in there, too, that's likely another three to five. Yeah. Like, the way you feel when you're eating good foods, nutritious foods, you're getting micronutrients, you're taking your vitamins, like, it is night and day. Like, yeah. if I go have, like, a, a bingy cheat meal, I enjoy it, but I, I can tell <laughs> the next day yeah. that I've eaten, oh, for, for that that
0: that pizza's awesome. Absolutely. But to, to tomorrow, you're like, uh, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> well, I don't feel that. I'm, like, I'm a little heavy. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling a little yeah.
1: sluggish. I'll wake up feeling just a little, like, almost like pizza hangover. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, this is crazy. I've never thought of it until you vocalized it there. But how wild is it, one, that our Medi- Medicare system isn't you know, promoting healthy lifestyle first before this. But they're also like with no questions asked, they'll prescribe a former addict more medication that is arguably just as addictive.
1: Yeah. No, they How gave, crazy is that? They gave me Ritalin, which is like almost chemically identical to cocaine. Yeah. And they knew I was an addict. <laughs> They're just like, here, yeah, you can't concentrate. Oh, oh, but it's prescribed, so it's okay. Yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of nutty. That's wild. Yeah, you can walk into a walk-in clinic Meet some guy you've never met and in five minutes you can have a bottle of pills that will drastically alter the way you think and feel. Wow. Wow. So
0: big takeaway, High Nation, go for a walk first. That's it. You don't need to go do a CrossFit workout or go to a big box
1: gym and lift the most weight. Just do something other than sit down. Fitness is a mandatory part of Teen Challenge, so we did a bunch of research to try and figure out what's a good amount for someone to hit of any age, any fitness level, and we determined about four hours a week. So that roughly boils down to just over 30 minutes a day if you do it that way. And, like, we encourage guys to sort of, like, oh, well, I don't want to go lift weights. And I'm like, dude, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, go for you a go down. Yeah, go walk. Go yeah. play a sport. Like... Do something that's super fun. You want to go bike, whatever. So, yeah, we don't care what kind of fitness you're doing as long as it's some type of movement that's actually, you're taking a part out of your day to do it. Like, lots of guys are like, oh, well, I work outside all day. That's my exercise. And I'm like, it's not the same. Because when you're actually setting aside a chunk of your day to say, I'm important enough to invest 30 minutes into my physical care, it's a little different than just moving around the job site all day.
0: Yeah. That, that reminds me when I was uh, still working at my last job. I did 75 hard multiple times. It's this uh, fitness program. Uh, it's for cyclists. It's awesome. Uh, it'll challenge you. It'll test you in uh, a lot of ways. But we were talking about it in front of this room, uh, my boss and I at the time. And this one woman who was a banker, she goes, no way you guys have time for that. Blah, blah, blah. Two 45 minute workouts and reading and this. And I, all I said to her, I said, How many episodes of your favorite show on Netflix do you watch a day? And she just, like, her face just dropped. I wasn't trying to be rude. It was just a statement. And she went, like, yeah. Oh shit. Like, it's, oh, I have time. Everybody's and then she hit you. that reala- realization that she's like, Oh, I have to do this now. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's, it's not easy to stop doing that it's hard and that if that's your first hard thing that you have to do in your life awesome do it try it have some people tell your people tell your best friend tell your roommate hey i want to try to do a walk a day can you please remind me every morning that i need to go for a walk and if they're not willing to it's maybe time to find a better circle
1: yeah and and a better people around you all the changes i've made in my life I don't think I would have succeeded at if I hadn't had someone holding me accountable to them so like in team challenge obviously there's a whole team of staff holding you accountable yeah. to it but after that I would always play my changes off of someone mm-hmm. to be like hey I'm trying to do this in my life can you help keep me accountable to this yep. and like if there is no one to like I don't, I'm not sure if this is everyone's cup of tea but I use prayer so I would wake up in the morning and be like, I'm trying to make this really hard change I pray that I have the strength to do it today just a simple morning affirmation to just be like, yep, this is what I'm trying to do. I've failed at this before. I know I stuck at it, but just give me the strength for today. And sometimes I had to make that prayer ten times a day. Yeah. Like I'd get to the point where I'm like, oh dude, I'm supposed to be eating clean food all day. I just want cookies. You know, like come on. But
0: yeah. Awesome. Talking about accountability. And helping those, obviously, I think if anybody has been listening to this, at least with one of their ears, they understand that Zach likes to help people. I I would say he loves to help people. And in the future, Zach's going to be doing that lots more. So tell us a bit about what uh,
1: 2024
0: looks like for Zach.
1: Yeah. So um, helping people is what I do at work. Um, I love to see just the light come on in someone's eyes and then make the changes and then go out and and just like live their best life just totally floats my boat that's my thing but uh i'm hoping to kind of expand the people i help and the ways i help people like right now i'm helping people who are extremely broken i would love to just be able to help everyday people as well and help people kind of realize whatever goals they have kind of just improve anything in their life that they want to do Uh, i work with so many people with different faceted things that need improving so i have a multitude of experience and just being flexible with helping people. But I'm hoping to open my own life coaching business and just kind of be that accountability person for someone that I think is really crucial to make changes. I've already been kind of practicing with just some like family clients and stuff like that and we're implementing things like nutrition, exercise, um, you know, like gratitude journals, like mood journals, stuff like that. And yeah, I'm I'm brand new to it. It's still in the works, it's a pipe dream, but it's something I'm super passionate about and I've been getting excited. I know I've been talking to you about it. Yeah. Hopefully we're gonna kinda start getting it going next year. So yeah, January 24, I'm gonna maybe take some schooling, just kinda create some content, create some websites, and just hopefully get this thing rolling. I'm super pumped about it. I think it could be like the next stage in, in my life. Awesome, yeah. It's a little scary. I'm going to feel like an imposter, but... I'm sorry, I was just about to call you out on that imposter syndrome alert. It's
0: a pipe dream. I'm brand new to it, except I've been doing this, like, my whole life. (laughs) Actually, it's funny. Even as I was saying it, I'm like, oh, man, like, no one's going to want to hire me to do this, but... Well, that's that's the thing, you know, we talk uh, to, obviously, a lot of coaches in the Hive Professional Network, in the Hive Nation... And on the fitness side, I think that's the easiest way for people that don't have never used a life coach, a sales coach, a business coach, whatever. PTs, personal trainers, they're the most, I think, known coach. Yeah. Sports coaches. Isaac, uh, a good friend of ours out, out in Kansas, he talked about this where it's, you know, there's so many coaches out there and in the fitness world with Instagram, these influencers where it's like, where do you draw the line? Well, just because somebody's new or young doesn't mean they're inexperienced. Yeah, And the worst that can happen when you try a coach and if they're younger and you maybe go, oh, this person doesn't have 40 years experience, they're not going to know anything. Chances are they do. And you're probably going to get a takeaway from anybody you, you work with as long as you have a connection on values, you communicate the right way. So being new, in my opinion, as a young coach, as a new coach, I was never afraid of that. Yeah, I've got you're gonna get no's. People are gonna tell you no, and that's the if that's the worst thing that can happen.
1: It's not that bad.
0: No, I've been told no lots of times. And, and, and then you go on, and then you get one client, and like just that feeling of seeing their success is super, super cool. Um, so yeah, I think anybody looking for a life coach um, in the very, very near future, I would. Definitely reach out to Zach. Yeah. Um, it's going to be exciting. We're going to be helping helping him out. He's obviously a part of
1: part of the Hive Nation, part of our network, so we're going to be helping him out with that. Well, I, I'm going to do the fitness and nutrition stuff, but I want it to be a bit more than that because I really think there's a lot of stuff that people struggle with. And, like, I take guys to the gym for my work all the time. Yeah. Some of the best breakthroughs I have with them emotionally are during a workout. For sure. Like, every they're just thinking... Like, everything's turned off. They're just in the zone. And that's when real conversation happens. Like, you can just be like, hey, like, how you been? Like, whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, yes, we're working out, and we got some goals, and we're doing all this stuff. But, like, you know, if you got other aspects of your life you want to improve, I'm hoping that people are going to want to pick up on that, too. Because mm. I don't want to just treat the physical. Like, there's so much more the emotional, mental, spiritual, whatever you got going on. It, 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 like you said
0: earlier in the podcast, Spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, if one's down, typically it's not just that, it's the other things. How do those all blend together? And I think that's where uh, being a coach, that's why coaches exist. That's why we exist. Yeah. Hey, person A comes to you. I have a problem. I'm not getting my bench press up to this. I mean, if it's if it's purely that. Okay, that sounds like a terrible issue. Let's get into it. So what what what's changed lately? And you start asking these questions. So what's different in your life now? Oh, uh, well, my girlfriend broke up with me. Okay, well now we're getting somewhere. You know, it's, sometimes it's not cut and dry like that, but yeah. sometimes it is. It's like okay, so it's
1: it's a mental block. Yeah, if you got a you're to stress strong enough, enough. <laughs> you're not sleeping good. You're anxious yeah. all the time. You're binge eating when yeah, you're sad. Everything
0: is you know everything is everything. right? Yep. it's all connected, and and that's why maybe. You don't need a coach, talk to that friend, talk to your people that you can't. Maybe you don't have them, coach. You have them, coach. There's so many people, but once you start talking to people about those things, that's when you can start unlocking it and going. And being okay with you know having a little bit of vulnerability and, not, and knowing that it's not, oh, I don't want to burden people with my shit. Well, if that's how you feel, that's why coaches exist as well. Yep. Um, and really, I'll argue the fact that people say, I don't want to do that to my friends and family. Yeah, they're not always going to be that, the right on the family side more so, but if your core friend friend group, your core circle, isn't okay with that? You probably need a new I, I would look elsewhere because yeah. I'll tell you for free. My, my <coughs> circle, it's small, but – we can go from talking about the serious, serious, serious stuff to a random anything and be laughing and enjoying it. and Nobody looks at us otherwise. So. Yep, that's how it should be. Yeah. Level up, find a coach, improve your network, work on yourself, because we're all in this together. Um, Zach, we could talk for hours and hours. Um, but if somebody wants to connect with Zach, where can they, where
1: can they do that? Um, so you can find my contact on the teenchallenge.ca website. Uh, I will say to anyone struggling with addiction, anything like that, if you are trying a bunch of stuff and you haven't found a solution, give TC a try. It's so much different than the other programs because you're not just going for a short time, you are going for a year to reprogram every aspect of your life and there's a lot of people who could benefit from that I wish we had a program like that for people without addictions like oh man like that could do wonders for people well maybe now we will there you go with
0: Zach Tree coaching awesome Zach appreciate it Hot Nation we're out